0: Welcome to the
1: Martech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the status of digital fraud. Joining us is Curtis Boyd, who is the founder of Objection.co, which is a team of software developers and reputation technologists that build technology to identify fake reviews for businesses and consumers using artificial intelligence. And today, Curtis and I are going to talk about the truth about fake reviews. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Curtis Boyd, founder of Objection.co. Curtis, welcome to the MarTech podcast.
2: Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Excited to have you on the show. Excited to talk about the dark side of the MarTech landscape. We see a lot of businesses, you know, we talk about growth hacking. We try to talk about using data and driving consumer behavior, all sorts of fun stuff, ways that we can not necessarily manipulate, but influence consumers into buying the products or services that they want. One of the key factors in building trust with your consumers is getting feedback from people that have worked with them before, getting reviews. It's not always easy to get reviews and they're very important. So often marketers are faking it. Talk to me about what's the truth behind reviews today? What percentage of them are real? What's fake? What should we trust?
2: It depends on the industry. So you have some industries like pharmacy companies like CSV, or sorry, CVS, Rite Aid, no one's writing fake reviews for them. and No one's ordering fake reviews for pharmacies because they don't really need them, right? But when you look at like moving companies, locksmiths, cosmetic surgeons, personal injury attorneys, that's when you go into hyper-competitive marketplaces. Anytime you have a price tag of over 2500 bucks, that's when people start investing into reviews, whether it's with software. And if they can't provide five-star experiences to get the customers writing about their companies, Then you find marketing agencies, marketing directors, business owners who start to dabble into the gray and black hat territory where they start purchasing fake reviews off the dark web, so to speak.
1: There's a couple of components into this. I think of it as there's the platforms who are looking at reviews as the metric to understand the real world behaviors of a business. There's the business who is looking to optimize and basically raise their profile and visibility and then there's the end consumers who use the service and, and you know may or may not have some sort of an incentive here so you kind of have this triumvirate where the platform is setting up and incenting the business to put their best foot forward through reviews and they're making reviews really important and it's not always easy to get reviews so sometimes people are cutting corners First off, are fake reviews effective?
2: Oh, yeah. I hate to say it, but fake reviews are profitable because most consumers take things at face value. They don't do the due diligence into seeing if this review is real or not. Like, what's the behavior of this profile? What's the behavior of the whole listing in general? Most people who are looking at reviews are looking at the star rating, right? And then comparing it maybe with a few other businesses. And they're thinking about price. Like, what is the cost? What is the star rating? They might look at a few reviews. But most of them don't really take the time to read all of the reviews and to do the diligence that they should be doing when even thinking about considering reviews as part of the equation and the purchasing decision.
1: All right. So I'm going to put on my black hat for a second. You mentioned basically professional services business, a locksmith, a moving company, a personal attorney, something like that. People that are providing some sort of a a service for you. If I'm running one of those businesses, I am thinking, okay, I can go and I can work with a thousand customers and I can email a bunch of them, which potentially after they're done is going to annoy them and deteriorate the quality of how they view the service and their likelihood of coming back. Or I can just go onto Fiverr and get somebody in Pakistan with a VPN, give them some copy and have them publish the reviews I want. And I can get them at bulk and at scale and grow my business quickly why the heck am I not going down the second route?
2: It has to do with customer centricity, in my opinion. Businesses who are really customer centric, who are really worried about customer experiences, they're the ones getting the real feedback from their customers. And they're kind of optimizing the process of getting that feedback, whether it's in the timing of the way that they ask it, or it's them just going above and beyond what the customer paid for. Like, When a customer pays for something, they expect that. Whether it's a product or a service, like they paid for it. That should be enough for you for the business. But businesses want more these days. They want a review too. So what I say is if you want more from your customer, you need to give them more than what they expected. If if they paid 10 bucks for a kitchen knife, you got to give them a kitchen knife and something on top of that. Part of this amazing experience, if you want them to write a review, I'm not saying give them free stuff, but you really got to have a wonderful presentation if you expect to get a lot of feedback.
1: So I'm a shady personal injury attorney, and I'm just starting out in my practice, and I don't have a lot of people, and most of the time people don't want to say what their experience was because they don't want to talk about their legal matters in public, but the reviews really matter for something. So I could say, hey, I'll give you $500 off my services to go write a review, and that's great, but I have to wait to have the customers to do that, or again, I can just go buy a bunch of reviews. To me, it's like it probably costs less than $500 to get a review. So from a purely business perspective, I'm not saying everybody should do this. I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. But from a purely business perspective, it's cheaper to go buy reviews. You get them quicker. It helps your business faster. And I want to deliver a great customer experience. So I'm going to go take care of my customers. But getting the review from them is a pain in the ass. What is stopping me from going and just buying reviews instead of bothering my customer with it?
2: technically there's nothing stopping you. The access to fake reviews right now is incredible. You could go just on Google, Google the review, buy Google reviews, and you will have 20 or 30 e-commerce sites overseas on the first few pages, or you can spend five to 15, 20 bucks per review and immediately start ordering regular reviews for your business. Like We've never lived in a time where buying fake reviews has been easier. And because of that, businesses who are starting out, lawyers who just got out of law school, are essentially able to spend a few hundred bucks or a thousand bucks and compete with law firms who've been in practice for 40 years. And at face value, they might have the same star rating with the same number of reviews. And now to the consumer, when they're on these listing sites and they're saying, who should I hire? Who should I hire? There's this 40-year-old practice with the same amount of reviews, same star rating as a startup. That shouldn't happen, but it happens in every industry today, not just personal injury law, but everywhere.
1: So from a business perspective, yeah, sure. You can even the score and give yourself a chance to attract customers that a more experienced business with a longer standing reputation might be able to. And that's why people are buying fake reviews. And we're primarily talking about professional services here. On the flip side, I'll take off the black hat and put the white hat on now. Morally, it's questionable. You're making it seem like people are reviewing your business as actual customers, and they're not. And also, there's got to be some risk associated with buying reviews. So talk to me about the flip side of the coin of, hey, I'm going to go buy 10,000 reviews from somebody with a VPN in some country that's not here, that's obviously not my customer. You know, is Google, Amazon, Yelp, are they cracking down on the fake reviewers?
2: It's not so much Yelp and Google and Amazon. They are, but that's their marketplace, and that's how they make money. Who's, I think, really stepping it up this year is the Federal Trade Commission. In the next few days, you're going to see us release a press release about our initial collaboration with the Federal Trade Commission. They ordered 85,000 reports on businesses nationwide in the US. They're the ones with the jurisdiction to go after these companies using deceptive marketing practices and issue fines. The last fine that the FTC issued for a company with fake reviews was $18 million. That could end people's lives. I mean, some businesses can't afford fees like that. So that being said, I think that other tech companies are gonna try and enhance their algorithms, right? And enhance the technologies that they use. But ultimately it's gonna be our government that's gonna be issuing the financial incentives for people to quit purchasing fake reviews because they're afraid of the consequences.
1: So first off, congratulations. 85,000 orders or reports sounds like it's a good revenue month for Objection.co. I'm assuming getting uh, a relationship with the FTC as the company that is vetting whether reviews are legitimate or illegitimate is probably very good for business. And it makes sense that the government is stepping in. On the flip side, I'm not sure how actionable or practical that is for the people that are buying the reviews. It might be more relevant for the people that are selling the fake reviews. I can't imagine the FTC is going to go after the coffee store on the corner that bought fake reviews to try to rank higher than Starbucks.
2: You know, what's funny is most of these fake review sellers are overseas where the FTC has no jurisdiction. In one of my earliest articles, when I talked with a reporter, I talked about how we train our machine learning models. Machine learning models are only as good as the data that you put inside of them because these models need data to train and to learn. I actually went to these fake review sellers. I typed in just the phrase I told you earlier, buy Google review. I clicked on their site, went to the bottom of their site, and there was a Skype. And I reached out and I said, hey, I'd like to purchase some fake reviews like, for data. He's like, okay, your business. How many do you need? 50, 100, 200? I'm like, I don't want to purchase fake reviews for my business. I need your data set of fake reviews so I can train my AI models. I need data for this. And he's like, no, like, I can't give up my customers. I'm like, sure you can. How much? And he's like, no, no, I can't. I don't want to do this. It took me a few months, two or three months. I ended up writing him a big enough check that he sold out all of his customers and gave us the entire data set of every fake review, not just him, but he introduced me to this overseas mafia of people who sell fake reviews. And I got over a half a million profiles, fake profiles created on this fake farm, right? Where they just pop out by the dozen and then they sell fake reviews on them. But we use that as training data for our machine learning models so that our machine learning models could identify what fake review behavior looks like and real review behavior looks like. So when we're analyzing new content, we know which way it kind of sways.
1: Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, MuteNex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost effective. Request a demo at MuteNex.co. That's M U T I N E X.co. So fake reviews aren't just something that are relevant for local businesses, professional services. You know, actually, where I thought this conversation was going to go is I go onto Amazon, I go to buy a product. I look at the review ratings, four star, five star, you know, everything over that's kind of probably a pretty good product. But those end up being tiebreaker metrics when I'm thinking about what my purchase decision should be. And I'll add that even in podcasting, one of the big metrics that Apple we think uses to rank podcast is reviews and number of new subscribers. So like I get a message, I don't know, two times a day from somebody saying I'm a podcast promoter, I'll create reviews and get you downloads. How do you think about the difference between fake reviews when they are for local services, when they're for e-commerce products on a platform like Amazon, and even in the podcast world?
2: At the end of the day, it's basically synthetic engagement to drive more sales, right? Because at the end of the day, it's about more sales, more customers, more revenue.
1: And more downloads in our case. Right. I mean, not that we're buying fake reviews, but you get the idea. No,
2: absolutely. It's in every industry. It's hard to believe that there are industries that haven't been touched by this in some way. But for Amazon, over the years, more and more people, like you and me, started purchasing products on a site called Alibaba, right? Or AliExpress. And they're kind of coined drop shippers, where they purchase products overseas from China and then they put it in warehouses here in the US, and they will take similar products that were being sold here by local US manufacturers. Unfortunately, China's notorious for stealing. IP, right? Intellectual property. And they can replicate products real quick. So what happened was these products got replicated and cheaply where there's a lack of insurance, right? Where there's a lack of testing, where there's a lack of like regulation. So the cost of manufacture stuff just plummets. So when you sell a $10 kitchen knife that you got from Alibaba for 40 cents versus a US manufactured kitchen knife that maybe cost $8, the US manufacturer only has $2 for advertising whereas the dropshipper has $9 for advertising. That $9 for advertising goes directly to Amazon so that they could buy more Amazon ads to be at the top of any search result for a product. So dropshippers have a lot more advertising budget, regardless of if it's a $10 kitchen knife or a vacuum that's cleaning your floor. A lot of it comes from Alibaba. This is all dropshipped. So What happens now is the people with the biggest advertising budgets are the ones using fake reviews. It's not even their product. It's they're buying them overseas, right? It's like if they were to do a lot about fake reviews, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Most people think Amazon makes all their money by delivering stuff to your door. They don't. Most of their money is made by advertisers, businesses spending money on their ad platform where they're just selling clicks, right? Just like Google. Google makes most of their money just by selling clicks. Same with Amazon. Although Amazon has other revenue sources of course, which are publicly stated in their filings. But this is the issue with each marketplace. Google and TripAdvisor have some of the best review fraud moderation because their platforms aren't monetized on sales like Amazon is. So TripAdvisor and Yelp have much lower degrees of review fraud because of like the way the marketplace is set up. Google is kind of its own enigma in the sense that it's Google and they're part of everything. Their advertisers or business. They're not really doing too much about reviews. It's kind of an interesting state right now to see how various marketplaces are trying to deal with fake reviews because they all have the problem. And the biggest spenders are the business owners who are committing the act, so to speak.
1: So I guess there's a moral, a business, a legal debate on whether you should be buying fake reviews or whether you shouldn't. It's one of those things that probably will have positive business results it raises your risk profile as a business, right? I can go and buy fake reviews for the MarTech podcast and I'll probably get more downloads. But you know, at some point, if Apple says, well, we caught you with fake reviews, we're gonna take you out of the podcast app store. I don't have a business anymore. So there's inherent risk. So talk to me about the process for evaluating what's a real and fake review and what do consumers need to know about spotting fake reviews?
2: So there's two things we look at. We look at the profile and we look at the content. We look at profile metrics and content metrics. On sites like Google and Yelp and TripAdvisor and a few others, you can actually click on that person and see where else they've written reviews. You can see who else they've reviewed and judge for yourself. Like, does this look normal? Does this look consistent? Is there a nice diversity of businesses here? Like restaurant, restaurant, doctor restaurant, restaurant, shoe store, that looks a bit more normal than dentist, 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 dentist. Why have you written reviews for 14 dentists? Like maybe that person has a lot of teeth. (laughs) Or maybe their client is a dentist marketing agency who serves 300 dentists nationwide. And usually it's the latter, unfortunately. So we look at diversity of categories when looking at profiles. It's like, what kind of categories of businesses are being written about And is it organic looking versus synthetic looking? We take a look at for review pods. So just like dolphins and whales, fake reviews travel in packs. Someone who sells fake reviews can increase their profit margin by using the same profiles for multiple customers. So that one profile will have five or six customers, and they'll use multiple profiles to write about those same five or six customers, It's obvious if you take a step back and document things, but at face value for consumers, they're not clicking and checking to see, oh, did these three people write reviews for the same three companies? That takes like 30 minutes to check manually. So no one's going to take the time, but that's really important. That's one of the biggest metrics for fraud is if the same people are writing reviews for the same companies. Now, in regards to content metrics, we use a lot of NLP, natural language processing, super cool machine learning stuff, right? At the end of the day, we're trying to ask the question, if there's a business with 100 reviews, there should be 100 authors, right? Unique authors, not 50, because that means that there are 49 people who wrote one review and one person who wrote 50 reviews. Our NLP can detect that.
1: It could be 50 people that wrote two reviews.
2: There totally could be. And that's a great point. What's cool though, is that we can cluster the authors together so that we can actually see which profiles have similar writing styles and similar authorship styles. So if 50 clusters had two people in it, that would be in our report versus 49 people writing one review and then one person writing 50. Because when you pay for fake reviews, usually that content, like you said, is submitted. They have to give up that content. Usually one person writes all of that, not multiple people. And that one person has the same writing style across multiple profiles. Our NLP will churn right through that and turn it over for us. And it's the same as true if the vendor is writing the fake reviews. If you pay for fake reviews and don't provide content, one person over at that agency or whatever is going to write the content across multiple profiles. Our NLP will, will look into that.
1: All right. So I'm going to put my black hat back on here for a second. I want to buy some fake reviews. I'm going to cut the line. I want to have my business grow as fast as I can. Mahaha, <laughs> I'm evil. I'm going to go around to every fake review platform, and I'm going to buy a small ad buy of fake reviews from every platform once a week. So we're getting 50 different profiles over 50 weeks, and we're using different language because there's a different writer that's using them. Catch me if you can.
2: We'd catch the profile as being fake, but the content would be segmented differently. You're absolutely right. So essentially, we're trying to ask the question, is the profile real or fake? And is the content real or fake? Now, when people create mass profiles, it's easy to tell it's a fake profile. But yeah, if there's multiple authors, then absolutely. It'll be harder to say that, hey, that's coming from the same source, right?
1: Again, everybody don't buy fake reviews. I'm taking (laughs) off my black hat, but not my white hat. It's wrong. Do it the right way. The last question I have for you today is, all right, I understand how to spot fake reviews. Now, the question is if you're a business, and most of the businesses that are doing this type of marketing probably aren't sophisticated marketers, probably not as sophisticated as the people that are listening to this show. But how do you figure out who's full of shit? And how do you figure out who's actually doing authentic marketing? If I'm going to work with a marketing agency that says, we're going to promote your podcast over social media and we're going to get our audience to start listening to your content, or I'm going to go reach out door to door and get people to come to your nail salon and all they're doing is buying fake reviews, how do you spot a fake reviewer as opposed to some sort of a, I'm using air quotes, marketing agency or a content promoter?
2: I think it's important to always look at like case studies. Whenever an agency is usually flirting with a client or a lead, they're trying to showcase good results for other people. You want to look at those people's reviews to see what's going on. If you click on that profile and you see reviews nationwide for random business categories, you should turn tail and run because the likeliness of those reviews being fake are high. You want to look into, depending on what that company does, you want to look into how they get fulfillment on the services that they provide. And when it comes to fake reviews, if they are using fake reviews, the business is liable for what the agency does on behalf of the business. So be real careful when it comes to reputation management services, and vet them extra carefully. I'd really recommend taking the time to either take a look at tools you can use or spending a few hours to research into these case studies, these people who they said they worked for and what's going on with their reviews.
1: All right, lots to think about when it comes to buying reviews, black hat or white hat. It's a complicated subject. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Curtis Boyd, founder of Objection.co. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Curtis and I are going to talk about reputation hacker secrets. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Curtis, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is databoyd D-A-T-A-B-O-Y-D, or you can visit his company's website, which is objection.co, C-O, not dot com. Also, they have a consumer website. If you're interested in finding out whether a business has legitimate reviews or not, you can go to askfortransparency.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. -J Shap. B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.